This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill, and y'all, I am so excited. (laughs) If you read the title of this episode, you are aware that I'm about to introduce you to my new co-hosts for the Professional Book Nerds podcast. That is Joe and Emma. Joe and Emma, hello. Hi, Hi, Jill. I am so excited. This is going to be amazing. Um, Emma and I did the November books pick episode from a couple months ago. Joe and I did the read the rainbow LGBTQIA plus episode from November. And they are now going to be on like all the time. It's going to be great. Yeah. Hopefully they're not sick of us already. I know. <laughs> That's what I said to someone earlier. Like, hopefully you liked our guest episodes. <laughs> Because here we are. Oh, it's happening. It's happening. It is happening. I know. It's like Michael Scott, like, everybody stay calm. Everybody stay calm. (laughs) That is what it felt like when I heard from Jill that like, hey, good news. I was like, this is it. (laughs) I was, I know I was actually quite nervous for our meeting. I was like, what if she tells me I'm not going to get it? (laughs) Me too. (laughs) In a meeting. (laughs) Like, I'm so sorry. Right. Couldn't handle it. It's not. It's not you. <laughs> I just am like, why would I do that to people? That would be awful <laughs> to like bring you on to a Zoom call just to be like, I'm sorry, I didn't pick you. I hate to tell you, <laughs> you are not I, a co-host. <laughs> you are not a co-host. I have one envelope in my hand and unfortunately <laughs> your photo is not inside. <laughs> right? I know. I kept getting like Tyra Banks, like this is what it's like. <laughs> Yes, I have one person in front of me who really wants this and another who has all the skills. <laughs> oh gosh, those were always the best speeches because they were so dramatic. But thankfully, dramatic. those uh, congratulations you've got the podcast meetings were far less dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> thankfully we were not Tiffany you weren't rooting for us and we disappointed we are here to be here we are very excited to be here Uh, and I'm very excited to have you both um I thought it would be a good idea like you know the listeners I've been doing this for a while they know what kind of books I like to read so I thought it would be fun to kind of talk about what kind of books you enjoy reading um and, you know, so listeners can kind of get a feel for what sort of things we'll, we'll all be bringing. I think what I'm most excited about is that way, I think we read, there might be some overlap, but I feel like we read a lot of different types of books and we'll hopefully have a good wide range of, of titles. Um, so yeah, so we can share what type of books you're in. And then um, after that, we can offer up some book recommendations for listeners. So Emma, how would you go first? Happy to. I'm glad I just like froze and didn't know how to proceed on a podcast where I'm supposed to talk. So we will get better at this as we go along. Um, 
if anyone's listened to any of the episodes I've guessed on um, in the last several years, I pretty much read thriller almost exclusively um, for many, many years, like Karen Slaughter, ton of French. Those were uh, my ride or dies. Love them still. But um, with the last couple of years, I've mostly been reading romance just because uh, it's what my heart and brain want um, during a time when everything else is crazy. So I read mystery thriller, um, romance. I love young adult, um, both, you know, YA romance, YA fantasy, all of that stuff. I read a lot of picture books um, with my son. And what else? I like the occasional memoir, but I admittedly don't read tons of nonfiction. Um, I just get recommendations from those smarter than me that read a lot of nonfiction and always know how to recommend a good memoir. Um, I do love listening to those on audio, um, you know, memoirs and biographies and and nonfiction and stuff. But yeah, a lot of romance. So (laughs) I hope you're ready. I'm really excited for Valentine's Day and all the books coming out in February. That's what I was going to say, like, you know, February is right around the corner. So we're going to get lots of, lots of romance recommendations coming. (laughs) A lot, a lot. Joe, what about you? Oh, well, I feel like you really laid it out that we kind of make a weird circle of what we read because similar to Emma, I do kind of go the thriller, mystery, horror route sometimes and I also read a ton of YA fiction um, and I don't do too much with nonfiction unless someone once again smarter than me says you gotta read this but I do dive way too deep into biographies memoirs because that's my element of kind of getting a little more of a sense for people different than myself people who have lived different lifestyles just you know a good way to peek into the windows of different homes Uh, But my kind of bread and butter is um, African-American fiction, magical realism, uh, LGBTQ plus fiction and nonfiction. That's kind of where else I sneak in my fiction. Um, And I also love short stories. So that's kind of, you know, if it's slice of life, if you could get through it in two hours in an audio book, I think right now I'm hoping out of the podcast, I find my specific niche, but there's a lot of places I like to dance around and just really enjoy myself. I, I'm very excited. I, you know, because we haven't done, you know, we have the February books pick coming up. You and I, three of us haven't recorded it yet. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what we all choose once we start going through. I think it's going to be a, a good mix for, for our listeners. I'm excited to see what between the three of us for like, I gotta read this. (laughs) I think it'll be a good mix. And I do have some wild cards chosen for February Mm. since I know we've already started brainstorming. So it won't be all romance. I mean, it'll be a good amount, but it won't be all romance. (laughs) Season of love. It's fine. I like to keep people on their toes with a few wild card picks. You never know. I am in support of wild card picks. I'm in support of that. I'm in support of that. Anything um, out of left field. Right? Because it might be, you know, like I think one of the challenges that comes with these books, but it's it's a good problem to have is that there's so many good books that come out and you can't necessarily look through all of the lists to find them. And so every once in a while, it's, it's nice when somebody else finds a gem that you didn't get and you didn't see and you can add it to your own TBR. So. 
Absolutely. Um, so what all have you been reading recently? Offer up some book recommendations for listeners. Has anyone, I can start if you want with less. Okay, I'll go ahead. Yep. So um, I recently read just over the weekend, I finished it. Girl Gone Viral by Alicia Rye. Speaking of romances. <laughs> Ooh, such a cute one. It was so good. Um, This is the like follow-up it's like a companion novel to the right swipe, which I also adored. Um, and this is, um, about, of course now her main character's name is completely slipping from me. Cause I didn't write it down. Wow. Good job self. Anyway. Um, uh, her friend who the, from the right swiper friend, um, is like the former model she lives in this big house by herself she's somewhat of a recluse just because of past trauma and she's out at a coffee shop um and this guy sits down across from her at the table um and someone at another table starts to like live tweet their interaction except they kind of make it sound a lot more interesting and romantic than it actually was and um it goes viral and her face is like out oh cat her name's cat thank you wow okay her face um she's trying to like stay anonymous um but people are starting to like try and and figure out who she is and this guy is like who had sat down across from her who has never actually had like another conversation with her is like playing it up and there's like she has to get away and so she goes away with her bodyguard who she has a crush on and he has a crush on her but they don't know it and it's just it's so delightful it was so much fun oh i know <laughs> so um oh so cute loved it i know there's a third one um and i already have it checked out i haven't started it yet um but i'm, I'm very excited so that's girl gone viral so good I can dive in with a pick. Uh, this is just what I just finished reading this last week. I am so late to this train. So when I tell you what I've read, you're going to be like, duh, that came out like five years ago. Um, I read The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. I've obviously seen this book a billion times. I like Taylor Jenkins Reid. Malibu Rising was one of my favorite books last year. And so I finally... Um, after 10,000 years and everyone else on the planet already uh, having read this, um, I read The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. So if you are like me and you have not read it yet, um, I would highly recommend. This was such a fascinating book. Um, it sort of, it was entirely different than I thought it would be, which I don't know if that makes sense because I don't know if what I entirely thought it would be about. Um but it just follows like the, you know, Hollywood movie icon, Evelyn Hugo. Um, and she's sort of ready to tell her story. And she's interviewed by this girl, Monique. And it's so interesting. It kind of chronicles her life in relation to all of her marriages and follows like each um, different marriage through the seven husbands. Um, there's a twist in this book I absolutely did not see coming. And I was waiting. I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. I was like, there's something here. I know they're building up to something. And then it, it finally happened. And I was like, dang, I had to sit there for a minute and process. Um, but it was so good. It was a really, really good 
book, honestly, for me to like start 2022 reading. Um, this was one of the first books I've read this year. And it was just, I don't want to say it was nice because it was certainly challenging at times and like heartbreaking and sad. And there's all kinds of things that happen. Um, but it was so good. So I'm glad I finally read it. Um, very, very late to the train. But it, it makes you feel any better, Emma. I literally just checked it out to read it for the first time. <laughs> so oh I, was, I was there with you. I, I think I read it six months ago for the first time. Yeah, no, it's definitely it, one that has been out, but I was, just, I was slow. I'm like, you, I've seen this book. You've seen the cover. I've seen it everywhere. Like, you know, um, but yeah, it was so good. I could definitely like describe it to a sketch artist and have it be an accurate representation. That's how much I've seen it, but I'm, I'm with you. I'm just now getting to it. I'm glad you're going to love it. I think. So we'll talk once wait. you've read it. <laughs> it was, Perfect. yeah, it was really good. And yeah, it's funny about the cover. I was like trying my, you know, my husband works in the library and I was like, yeah, it's that book with the woman on the green in like the green dress on the cover. And you don't really see her face. He's like, oh yeah. Okay. I was like, yeah, that one. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I don't know what I was expecting. And I think sometimes you hear about these books so much, but you don't really hear what they're about. You don't really get a description. It's like, oh, this is just a good book. Read it. Yeah. Um, and it, it was just so much more different, more different. Good grief. It was, it was just a lot <laughs> different than I thought it would be. Um, and I just really enjoyed the format as well. I mean, there's a lot more to it than her seven husbands. And yeah. um, I thought that was an interesting way to frame you know, her, her story in, in the relation to her different marriages. For sure. Joe, what about you? All right. So I'm, I'm going to start off with a read alike. Basically. Uh, I most recently finished 88 names by Matt Ruff. Uh, he is the author of Lovecraft County. If you've seen the show and it is a, a pretty solid read alike for ready player one, if you liked ready player one, and you liked Ready Player Two well enough, and you wanted pretty much the same vibe without the post-apocalyptic actual reality, this is kind of the story for you. It's it's like a parallel companion to where we are here today if everyone were kind of constantly immersed in video game culture. I mean, people are constantly immersed in video game culture today, but like in that level of augmented reality and true second life. Uh, So it follows John Chu. He's a Sherpa, which is kind of their adaptation for a person who is paid by the wealthy who want to have a successful account on this online platform without doing any of the work themselves. So he's got a team of people that kind of grind for stats and whatnot and help them go through these really ridiculous caves and trials to collect items. And as he goes along, he, uh, in his crew, since it is kind of like an illegal thing based on the game owners, they don't want Sherpas to exist. They want people to level up themselves, play the game the way it's intended. Uh, They're always creating new accounts and trying to do this without losing everything they own. So he has a crew of people who help him do his Sherpa work and he has a falling out with one of those people. And all of a sudden he has this 
like extreme amount of money contract come through where secrecy is of the utmost importance and you can't tell anyone you have to do exactly what we say be ready at all times and he immediately decides that this is Kim Jong-un that that is who he's taking around. His mother is a high-level government agent, so she's trying to look into all of it and truly talk about twists and turns. I cannot say much more without giving it away other than if you liked Ready Player One and you kind of want to scale it back a little bit and be more realistic, this could truly be happening today if our world was just a little different. This is the book for you. Easy to get through. And I think it kind of brings together your kind of modern reader audience approach with, you know, those those gamer folks who want to be, I think it's just like a brilliant bridge is the best way I could describe it. None of those words made sense at the end there. But like, this is the way that those of us who are just reading anything all the time can connect with a different audience entirely and vice versa. So I really liked that element as well, just a, a helpful perspective shift. That sounds wild. It sounds really yeah. good. It was really good. I promise. <laughs> I like I don't know if I would have picked that up, you know, if I'd seen it, but from your description, I'm looking at it now and I'm very intrigued. I have the description open in Libby right now just to like quick look over and I'm like, yeah, if I read the back of that, I still don't know if I'd entirely dive in, but I I I say it's like ready player one vibes, which once again, that's not what I tend to read either, but I loved so do it. Try it. Fall in there love. And if you hated it, hit me up on the Pro Book Nerd social media and tell me how bad I, I was at choosing it. <laughs> uh, speaking of, I didn't give our social media handles in the beginning, which I probably should have, but I forgot. Um, so we're on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Pro Book Nerds. Um, our website's professionalbooknerds.com. And you can always email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. So there you go. Um, So my next book that I've read recently, speaking of books that it took me a long time to jump on the bandwagon with is Pierre Nessie by Susanna Clark. Um, This came out last year. Susanna Clark wrote um, the Dr. Strange and Jonathan Norell. I think that's right. I could not get through that book. I tried multiple times. I feel like it's one of those books where I'm like, I feel like I should like this. And I just can't really get into it. It's also a very big book. Piranesi is not. It took me like two hours straight through to read Piranesi. So Piranesi is about, this is like the weirdest book. I don't even know how I can describe it to you, which is probably why it took me so long <laughs> to pick it up. Um, so Piranesi is about this, this guy, Piranesi. He lives in uh, it, this like huge mammoth, weird building thing that is like, imagine like, like 50 cathedrals put together and it's like abandoned. He's the only one there. And there's like waves and oceans inside the cathedral. And it just like come, like if you, um, it, I, I can't even, I can't even describe it. So anyway, Piranesi lives here. He just like is hanging out on his own. Um, you know, trying to like, he tracks the waves of the water, um, to, see when things like oceans are going to rise and when he has to like move things and he sort of keeps watch 
watch over these skeletons of previous people who have lived in this place. <laughs> it's like other world place. There is a man he just calls the other because he does not live there. He lives somewhere else. This other comes um, once a week to kind of visit Piranesi. Um, and he sort of uses Piranesi to basically try and like collect information about this place, weird place that Piranesi lives. Um, and this whole time you have no idea what's going on. Piranesi doesn't really know what's going on. Like it, it reminds me, you know, if you ever read Room, um, Emma Donahue book about the little boy and like his only world that he knows is room. And so his language is based on kind of what he knows and you sort of have to kind of interpret that. It's a little bit like that because Piranesi, this is all he knows. And he's just sort of like trying to describe it. And he, his word choices are just things like he comes up with, with what information he knows. Um, and again, it's one of those books I can't really talk too much about because, you know, just that this man comes and he warns him that this other guy might come and if he does Piranesi should stay far away from him. Um, and then things happen, but it, it, it was so weird, it was, but not bad, weird, just like weird, weird. There's like this weird kind of almost like a little bit of house of leaves. Um, and then, um, I cannot remember. Wow. I'm like really bad with the names going on here. Um, whatever um what was Aaron Morgenstern's second book the one that came out in like you oh, think of someone oh, who like oh the starless um, sea there's a little bit of yeah. starless sea a little bit that reminds me you know when he goes in the starless sea like goes on his whatever adventure and he's in this strange world it's it's like that I really really enjoyed it it's it's just weird <laughs> In a that's, good way, but that's weird. How everyone I've encountered who's read it has described it. But they've all said it's great. It's really good. It's well worth a read, but to just read it and just like read it. don't read too much about it. Don't like try to figure it out. Just read it. Agreed. <laughs> I mean, Agreed. That sounds great. I mean, the first two things. First thing, we could have a whole episode of books that should be right up our alley that we could not finish <laughs> we probably right could. Th- th- that's half of my bookshelf i think uh and two it gives me immediate and major lost vibes not to date myself but you know lost hello popular culture reference yeah. right there i love the sound of it adding that to the list if my yeah. list wasn't long enough already <laughs> Like I said, it's a very short book. Like I really checked it out after dinner one night and was done like that evening, a few hours later, actually the last comparison is good. It, it felt like reading, it felt like it's going to be very specific. The season two opener of lost. Okay. Open up. Yeah. With Desmond and you have no idea what is happening. And you're like, who is this guy? where are we? Why is he here? How is this connected to anything? It, it, it has, it feels like that with, yeah, some like house of leaves, um, uh, labyrinth type stuff. And like, yeah, Aaron Morgan Cerns, the starless sea, like it it was really, really well written. It's really good. It's just weird. (laughs) I love that like combo description of room. Cause that I have the immediate sense of what, how he's talking and then the the flip side of like, yeah, Desmond, he's going about his life. And then by the end of the book, you're pulling away and you're like, he's in the hatch all along. <laughs> now we know. Yes. Yeah. I'd like, that's actually, of yeah, that's, that's an excellent reference for a 
trying to like somewhat somewhat tackle the book is is all of those things so if any of those are appealing to you I think all of them are appealing (laughs) go ahead and give Pyridesia a try like with that I will segue into a book that is not related or similar in the slightest um I recently read The Spanish Love Deception um by Elena Armas and I'm horrible if that's not how you pronounce her name I forgot to look it up um before today's episode I always try to um but that it's a um you may have seen this you'll see all these books are like heavily book talk influenced um it's a rom-com and it's a fake dating trope which I love and this is a really good one in that uh Catalina is the main character she works at a tech company in New York and She has to go to Spain uh, for her sister's wedding, where she's from. Her whole extended family still lives there. She's going to see everybody, including, um, I don't think this is a spoiler. It's not. It's in the description I just checked. Her ex ex and his new fiance will be at this wedding um, because nice for her. Her sister's new husband is the brother of her ex-boyfriend. So we've got all these layers, um, all this drama. She doesn't want to show up to her sister's big wedding with all her family and her ex, um, where it was like a horrible breakup. Everyone felt bad for her after everything that went down. She doesn't want to go alone. Um, She doesn't have a boyfriend. She doesn't have anyone she can take just randomly to this big family event in Spain. Um, So this is where her colleague, Erin, comes in who um, randomly offers to accompany her to her sister's wedding in this whole fake dating scheme. Um, And they've got to pull off this whole like Spanish love deception. And my goodness, it was so good. Um, This is a slow burn. I will tell you, it was very slow burn. So if you don't like a slow burn, this may um, drive you a bit mad because, you know, it takes a while for things to align um but this it was really good it was entertaining it was quick um it was steamy where it needed to be steamy um but yes it does take a bit to get there um and i really liked the conclusion for me it was a little bit slow um of a burn for my taste i like it when it's like a little bit quicker than that we kind of get to the liking each other a bit sooner um, but it was really good. I would almost also classify this a little bit as like enemies to lovers as well, because they kind of have like a contentious relationship in the office. They're in similar positions. Um, and he's kind of like condescending to her at work and, um, they just have like a really interesting dynamic. Um, and you kind of peel back all the layers as the story goes on, which I love. So this was a really good, uh, a really good rom-com. Um, and lots of Spanish in it, which was really interesting to read. I don't speak Spanish, but she did a really wonderful job, um, of just incorporating it into the dialogue and then didn't feel the need to like directly translate everything in it. Like you, you wouldn't, but there was enough context clues that you knew very easily what the conversation was. Um, and I thought that was really nice as well. I love fake romances. Mm-hmm. I love favorite. a fake dating trope. It's one of my favorite ones. 
fake dating and enemies to lovers. Yes. That, that's how you hook me into a romance title, mm-hmm. fake dating, enemies to lovers, but also the full body like tense up when you said go to a wedding and you know your ex and their new partner is there as the single one on the call. I was like, who I got to go <laughs> like, ooh, and like, you know, like if she's got to go to Spain with him. You know, that's going to require like a shared room, just all it hits all those boxes that you're looking for in that kind of a book. So I definitely recommend again, if like enemies to lovers a little bit, slow burn, fake dating, check, check, check. And there's some, there's some twists in there. So I know romance, we love our tropes. We like it when things are reliable, but it's certainly not boring. Yeah. Um, there's enough, I think that's unique and, and sort of revealed that it was, it did to me feel very fresh as well. That sounds really good. Joe, what you got? All right. So in the midst of the pandemic, I decided I was going to start collecting Barbies. And, you know, honestly, I like to think my collection is beautiful. I personally buy them when they are new in box. And then I relish as I take them out of the box and ruin the collector's value. Uh, Because at the end of the day, they should be out of the box. At least for like the ones that were play grade. I don't necessarily take all of them out of the box always, but I've ruined some value in my day. Uh, So after spending 2020 purchasing, collecting, building a space, I then decided I wanted to know more about Barbie herself. So I've been doing some catch up recently with like my Barbie history. And I read Dressing Barbie by Carol Spencer. And this is just a story about Barbie's one of her chief designers and one of her first real designers. It's a, you know, it's a beautiful story about women in power and taking fashion, taking everyday clothing design. Uh, She comes from a children's clothing design background and translating that into doll scale and to hear kind of like the, the year's worth of we bought this material, they process something wrong so we had so much of it and that's why you can see you know the same barbie fabric from like the end of the 70s into the 90s because they purchased just too much and traveling internationally and honestly like so many moments where you're like regardless of how you feel about barbie and what she represents within the community as a whole that at the core there's a lot of powerful people who got their start just because of taking the initiative and fighting for their place at the table you know being a person she was a person from a small town moving herself to california to pursue this dream and basically submitting applications when she was in, I want to say Minnesota, my brain is, it's Friday when we're recording this. So my brain is done for the week. Uh, And then also submitting that same application in California and getting accepted in both, you know, that her work stood for itself. And so it was just really powerful to not only have like the fun collector perspective, where if I make a TikTok and say like, this is my 1972, whatever, I can give like solid references for fashion ideas, but then on the flip side, I can also say, here's some really great ways to inspire um, young women just trying to understand that people of all sorts for 
at this point, so many decades have been fighting so we can all have rights and power and a seat at the table. So yes, I read it from the collective perspective, but I also recommend it just for the like, if you want to see someone succeed in like a two hour read, great way to do it. You know, I, I never really thought about Barbie fashion. Like I'm aware of the doll and sort of like the doll's history. Uh Uh-huh. And other than like celebrity designers like Bob Mackie, I've never really considered Barbie fashion before. That sounds really good. Yeah. Aside from like those Bob Mackie designs, when they bring in specific, like Moschino will do a design right now. Uh, Balmain is literally doing NFTs and fashion with Barbie on their Insta. Like, I know too much. I'm so sorry. Uh, there's like this flip side where in the seventies, right around Malibu Barbie time, um, Barbara Streisand walks the red carpet in this long flowy yellow chiffon pajama set. And it's got bell sleeves and bell bottoms. And that was directly translated for Barbie at the playline. It wasn't Barbara Streisand inspired. It wasn't collector because collector market didn't exist in the way that we see it today for Barbies until like late eighties, nineties. So there's so many fashion elements and it was more than just like shrinking it down. It was about finding or creating because initially she was creating patterns on fabric that could be sold because the scale didn't exist. If you bought something you liked in a polka dot print, it'd be way too big. You'd get one dot on a dress. So it had to be scaled down or created from scratch. And yeah. And there's also some like, it seems silly to say juicy drama, but there's like juicy drama from like the different iterations of Barbie going to outer space. And yeah. Cause some of those were like, around the time of the challenger. So there were moments where they were being very specific and honoring women in space. And then there were other times that they were like, here's our Judy Jetson outfit because there was tragedy. So we need to bring some levity. So yeah, it's, it kind of goes across the board. You can look beyond Barbie and see it as inspiration. You can see it as fashion and design, or you could uh, just be a big old Barbie nerd like me. That sounds delightful. That's on slideful. And also as someone who collects Funko Pops with half of them out of the box, I totally get it too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and Funko hit me at the right time because they put out three Barbie Funkos back to back as the collection was, yeah. was coming together. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Um, I have one more book I wanted to share. Do you all have? Cool. Okay. So my last one is going to be um, This Might Hurt by Stephanie Robel. She wrote... Darlene Rose Gold um, a couple of years ago, which was delightful. This um, this might hurt doesn't come out until February. So it's a little bit of an early one, but you can get on the holes list if you want. This is about two sisters, Natalie and Kit, um, who uh, are, are adults now. Um, when they were growing up, they had sort of a um, contentious relationship. Um, their parents weren't the best and it was just not a great home life. And now that they are adults, Kit has um, decided to go off and join um, like a commune basically and go off the grid at this commune. And Natalie, not crazy about it, um, but whatever, you know, her sister's an adult. And then Natalie gets um, an email, like an anonymous email from somebody at the um, commune um, referring to like a secret that Natalie has been keeping from Kit and they're threatening to tell Kit. And 
Natalie decides to essentially have to like, you know, first literally she's concerned about her sister and she doesn't want the secret getting down. So she decides to kind of like infiltrate this um, it, it, commune. It's it's sort of sold to outsiders as like a, a retreat type place, but weird, thing, you know, you're like, mm, things are a little suspicious. And so she kind of, yeah, she's like, I got to figure out how to get there. They don't want her to come. It's a whole thing. Um, and the book's really interesting because it's told from Natalie's perspective in the present. And then it's intercut with these um, uh, scenes from this, you know, young girl growing up, she decides to pursue magic as a magician um, not great home life. And you're sort of the whole time wondering, like, it doesn't give names. And so you're like, is this Natalie? Is it Kit? Like, you know, and it goes back and forth. And then, um, there's a twist, like there was in Darling Rose Gold. Like this is just sort of, you know, not really a thriller, but there's, there's a reveal, um, at one point that was so well done and just, I loved it. It was so good. Um, you know, if, if you're into the whole, like, kind of weird cult thing and sisters this will be right up your alley <laughs> jill yes this is like so perfect to segue this time actually <laughs> to my next book that i just one of the most recent books i read are you ready yeah. cultish by amanda montel by amanda montel oh, so yeah. good i just listened to the audio of this um i was trying i'll admit i was trying to reach my goodreads goal uh, at the end of 2021. And I had like two days and I was like, I just need one more book. Um, actually to get to the number. Cause I was like at an odd number on my Goodreads goal. And I was like, we can't have 39, we need 40. Um, and so I was like, what's an audio I can listen to the next couple of days and like devour. And, um, like I mentioned, I do a lot better with audio when it's nonfiction and I can, you know, listen, but I don't necessarily have to listen to every single word of the storytelling or be totally lost. Um, and so I listened to Coltish and it was so fascinating that she just dives into like how we're impacted every single day by language and like this cult language. And she talks about things that like are so, I feel like ingrained in our culture, like soul cycle. Um, and then contrast that, you know, to things like Charles Manson. And it's weird that those two things would be like side by side. But when you look at the language of all of the different things that she covers, they use alarmingly similar terminology. Um, and when you have something that like you're so devoted to that it has its own language and short terms and shorthand and like acronyms and all of these things, um, it is so interesting to see like how much you can compare you know CrossFit and SoulCycle to you know these yoga groups or these other things and just how it's obviously various like varying levels of your commitment and your dedication and and whatnot and um it was absolutely fascinating certainly not my normal type of of read or listen but um I really really enjoyed it and the audio was really well done it just was something that, you know, you, I like a true crime documentary. I like, you know, some of those things. I think the book a couple of years ago, was it called the girls by Emma Klein? Was it that one? That was like very similar in, yeah. you know, to like the Charles Manson compound type of things. Um, 
And this was just a really interesting take on something that I think a lot of people are aware of, but maybe don't put all of those things together. It was just fascinating. And she has a background with one of these groups through, I think, her father. I think it was the person. And it was just fascinating. So many different layers um, to hear about it from somebody that had firsthand experience with a lot of these different, you know, cultish groups and the way that we distinguish something as a cult or cult-like or or like Kool-Aid, even drinking the Kool-Aid. Um, there are just so many different things that stem from cults that I honestly didn't even realize had had permeated so far into our popular culture. Um, so I would definitely recommend if that sounds remotely interesting to you and you're not into romance, uh, check out Cultish. <laughs> that book was so good because it's so interesting how, you know, she starts with like Jonestown and these like very well-known, like this is a cult and somehow ties it to like multi-level marketing. And you're like, that makes perfect sense. And like when she goes, they go through like the Scientology thing, like they go and visit the Scientology building, I think in California, her friend and yeah. sort of like, they're sort of like forced to kind of start the process. And she's like, no. And yeah, that book was so good, but it was fascinating. It's right. And it's just, it's so interesting. I mean, like the Scientology center, there's like the huge celebrity center in Hollywood. It's like a notable landmark right there. You see it. There's several different centers and there's like their giant blue building. And it's like, it's, it permeates. It's just like part of the culture. I just, it's fascinating to me. Um, how you can sort of have all those different levels of like intensity or commitment with some of these types of things. And like, you can, you know, have it to be little like CrossFit. It's a lifestyle uh, kind of a thing to those like tragic situations that she describes, you know, with um, Jonestown and other things. It's, it's just fascinating to me how people use the language to get to those varying degrees. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was certainly something I didn't like immediately think, oh, I must you know, learn more about cults. Um, but it was just totally fascinating to, to think about all the different ways that it impacts. And the, the MLM stuff is a whole other rabbit hole. It was fascinating. It was absolutely fascinating. <laughs> and perhaps a, a little bit more like, um, uh, not something I can relate to, but, uh, you know, something that's a little bit more popular to our culture. Um, you know, like the, the girl boss, you know, era is obviously something I'm more familiar with than, you know, maybe the cults of past. <laughs> As a sucker for true crime and linguistics, I loved the most about cultish, the way just seeing that cults, the love of serial killers and LuLaRoe have infiltrated and changed our overall vernacular. Like, so impactful and it also tied really well into what my for you page was doing at the same time I'd see the random like here's our commune but it is really a cult and here's our cult and we mummified our leader and it all like yeah yeah super super cool and honestly worth reading or listening to more than once definitely I'm like on that peppy note (laughs) Uh, don't know if I should have saved that one for last. <laughs> no, you're fine. Like, here's a romance. Here's another romance. And then here's this very heavy and serious book. Think about your life. Oops. Oops. <laughs> what do you mean? 
Exactly. But I told you, like, there's a, you know, a wild card every now and again. I can't just give you all rom-coms. <laughs> that does tie pretty well into my final recommendation, which is a series. So it's not like a perfect tie-in, but it is a pretty darn close one because it is that like realistic, but also supernatural. And there is a serial killer who may or may not have a cult. So we did do it, folks. We got it all together in the last one. I'm so impressed. <laughs> like, boom, boom, boom. Right. <laughs> one, two, three, go. We somehow managed to do it. And here's hoping this is, this is the energy we're always bringing. <laughs> somehow it worked. Uh, So I am recommending for my last run here, uh, the Diviners series by Libba Bray. I listened to these as audiobooks and I want to say January Lavoy. Hold on, looking really quick. Yes, January Lavoy. Two things. She has a level of skill to give us so many voices for her characters that I really enjoyed as a person who grew up listening to the Harry Potter audiobooks as like a fun nighttime treat. Any narr- any narrator who can give me that much voice action, I'm here for. The other thing I loved is that she is the narrator through the entire series. So at no point was I jarred into like, oh man, I have to get used to someone new now. But the Diviners follows a group of kind of like young teens, 20-somethings living in New York in the 20s. And they all have some sort of supernatural ability that they don't really know about or are running from or are afraid of. And the whole series just takes you through this kind of like culty hidden background, this great evil trying to resurrect itself to take over And the power of friendship and diversity. And one of the things I love most of that kind of power of diversity is that Libba Bray manages to cover the nuances of an interracial couple in the 20s and the struggles that come from that without having to to be so, I don't know, like... She's definitely writing in the time where we should be now that we are covering what happened in the past, but we are still providing representation and not having to use hate speech to get the point across that something was uncomfortable or bad or wrong. So there's this really powerful, there's really powerful moments where you go, oh God, I, I wouldn't want to be there. I feel scared for these characters, but I never feel like I wouldn't share this with everyone. So it's it's kind of like a light listen or a light read in the enjoyment element, but you get so wrapped up so quickly in these characters. And I think they're really well-developed. This is more of my like fun, give me some fantasy, but also don't take me too far out of the world I live in. <laughs> well, that sounds delightful as well. So many good book recommendations, y'all. This is gonna be great. <laughs> My list has somehow managed to get longer and I don't know if I can handle it. <laughs> yeah, that, that happens. That happens. That's one of the, the like downfalls of such doing the podcast is that the TBR just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. Well, um, thank you both so much. This was our first episode. Like we did not talk about our books before, which is why the whole cult thing is somewhat hilarious. Um, but I think this is, you know, I'm excited. I am so excited to see what future episodes bring us. Um, and I hope our listeners are too. So thanks 
friends for joining me on the podcast as my new co-hosts. Yay. Thanks, guys. So glad to be here. Thank you. All right, everyone. Happy reading. Bye. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen Podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Jill Grunenwald and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.